The Mavs without Luka aren't done just yet. The Raptors might be in danger of going extinct. And the Warriors are back. This is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA, breaking down the playoffs as they continue. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the host of Locked On Nuggets, and I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. His name is David Ramil. He is co-host of Locked On Heat. You can find him on Twitter at dramil 13 we have three games in on the slate to break down today. David, where, oh, where do you want to start? Well, let's start off in Dallas, where they were able to uh, to withstand uh, uh, the loss of Luka Doncic. Obviously, he's missed the first two games of the playoffs so far uh, with a calf strain, I believe is the exact diagnosis, and no prognosis as to whether or not Doncic is going to return anytime soon. But it didn't matter. Because they got 41 points from Jalen Brunson in a 110-104 victory over the Utah Jazz. And obviously, so I liked Dallas in this game. Because when I look back and, and kind of after I, I watched that first one, um, I thought that their defensive game plan kind of worked. They had a bad game mm-hmm. from Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson. And it was likely that they were going to get a better performance out of one of them. And obviously, Jalen Brunson stepped up just huge tonight. A huge performance from Jalen Brunson, which they needed with no Luka Doncic, who continues to be out with the calf injury. So um, they get a massive game from Brunson, who goes for 41 points on 15 of 25 shooting, eight rebounds, five assists, and a plus 15. Spencer Dinwiddie struggled for most of the night. He was six of 18 from the field for 17 points, but he did get uh, Donovan Mitchell straight up in an ISO situation late in the game and punished him. But the other story from this, and it's this is like, the strength of the Mavericks versus the weakness of the Jazz. Like this is the tactical stuff that matters so much in the playoffs. The Mavericks in this game made the adjustment they didn't make in game one. And that that is uh, defensive on offense. They spaced Rudy Gobert all the way out to the corner with Maxi Kleba. Kleba, since All-Star break, has shot below 25% from three-point range. He was great before the All-Star break and has been struggling so much and in a huge spot in a must-win, absolute gotta-win game at home, Maxi Kleba goes eight of eleven from three-point range for twenty-five points and six boards. They punish that over and over and over again. And when Gobert had to start thinking about, okay, do I stay home or do I help out? Because they can't contain on the perimeter. Then the Mavericks started attacking on the inside. And when he would help down, then they would kick to the perimeter and got him in a bunch of awkward situations. This is the whole problem when you have a dominant inside rim protecting big that can't handle perimeter action is if you face a team that goes small ball five out like this, you run into these types of situations. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, Obviously Gobert, so to I me mean, can switch on occasion, but for the most part, not as comfortable doing so. There were so many different occasions, whether it was Kleba or even Brunson at times, 
where they would get a switch. Let's say he was being guarded by Royce O'Neal or Bo- Bojan Bogdanovic, and all of a sudden Gobert wouldn't know exactly what to do. Would he hedge? Would he just stay there? He was kind of left in no man's land, and it would leave a wide open shooter from the corner. That's a, a great point by you because there were a, a number of shots from Kleba and Brunson from the corner, and it seemed like Gobert was the victim on most of those uh, in some way, shape, or form. But uh, really big nice from Brunson. I, I really liked his just his aggressiveness the whole time. Like you, you mentioned that he had to step up in, in Luca's absence, and he absolutely did. Confoundingly, I'm not sure exactly what the Jazz were thinking because it seemed like they kept going under on all these screens, and Brunson was like, okay, if you're going to let me take those shots, I'll go ahead and knock those down. And the first few of them seemed like it was wide-open opportunities, and then eventually he wound up migrating towards the corner and started knocking those down as well. Uh, on the flip side of that, Donovan Mitchell, man, I just, you know, look, you can say everything you want to about his aggressive style and his final you know, scoring total, 34 points on 13 of 30 shooting. But it just seems like there wasn't a shot that he didn't like all night long. And he wasn't, just wasn't looking to, to engage anybody else. And I know that's a, a common complaint for Jazz fans, but it just, it seemed like it, well, it was just a little too ball dominant there and not a good look for him in a game where they, they kind of, you know, they could have continued to build momentum off that game one victory. He looked very active to try and get Rudy Gobert involved tonight. The first two passes were on the inside of Gobert. There was a late game sequence in transition where Mitchell could have slid all the way up and been able to try and get a bucket. And instead, um, they instead he he dished it to Gobert and Gobert missed a bunny rat a bunny right at the rim yeah. like yeah. just couldn't get he he ran into a post up and couldn't do it. This roster does not work, and like maybe they'll get past the series because Luke is out. Hmm. But uh, there there is just something fundamentally that does not work with this team. Um, I think some of it was the loss of Joe Ingles. I think that was part of it. The Mavericks, I thought, did a much better job on Bogdanovich tonight. But even then, he had 25 on 9 of 15. Like, he's taking advantage yeah. of the of the attention on Mitchell. Because they really are. Like, this is a lot of his. Mitchell wants to try and raise – he wants to be there for his team. He wants to deliver for his guys. But right. the problem is just, like, at some point, you have to understand your limitations or what the defense is giving you and be like, right. I have to get other guys involved. That's right. the big adjustment, I, I think, going into game, game three in Utah is – Donovan Mitchell needs to look at the tape and be like, I need to get other guys involved. And the question that everyone has is given all of the, like the rumors about him and his future and the jazz and what are they going to do? And are they going to blow it up? Are they going to trade Rudy? Are they going to trade Mitchell? Are they going to trade both of them? Like what's, right. what's his approach? What's his trust level? Because, you know, the, Royce O'Neal is a, is a good shooter and he hit another one in the, in the third, in the fourth quarter today and did the shh a little too early this time. Royce can't pull it out every time. Uh, he went four of six from three. You know, Mike Conley is a mm. good shooter who just went 0-3 tonight. Probably, you know, he, he was 0-7 from the field. Terrible night for Conley, right? Yeah, but like, they have guys that, that can help. Jordan Clarkson even. But he, yep. Mitchell has to be willing to trust them. And <laughs> they're – but to me, ultimately, this does get back to – teams know they can get that team doubting itself if they go small on because of both ends. When Gobert doesn't know whether to space – stay home on shooters or help down because his guys can't contain on the perimeter. Like that's on them. I understand that. But there were several times tonight when guard drives by Mitchell or Conley mm-hmm. and Gobert's like, I have to help. Right. And you could just tell the Mavericks are like, thank you. Like that's all we <laughs> yeah. wanted was for you to help down and leave open that corner three. So um, I like the Mavs in this. Look, if they get Luca back, I like the Mavs to win this series anyway. 
Yeah. Um, I think if, if Luca gets back, they're definitely going to win. And look, this is a it's one one going back to Utah. If Utah holds home court, it's three one and probably a little you know you can assume it's over. Maybe not, given Utah's already got a three one collapse in its pocket. But you know they, they they definitely can still assert themselves control of this because they are the better team without Doncic. But this matchup, it's not so much that this matchup is like complicated and tricky and like it presents a lot. It's just the same stuff that we've seen the last four years. If you do this to them, Utah cannot withstand that pressure. Yeah. I expect, you know, Conley to have a better game. He can't be any worse. Like obviously he'll avoid (laughs) foul trouble to some extent and he can expect him to hit at least one of his field goal attempts. But I just wonder, like, you know, with Mitchell, great player. I, somebody that I personally enjoy watching and talking to, but it just seems like this has been the issue throughout his whole career, right? I remember uh, talking to Quinn Snyder and Donovan's rookie year and just talking about how they were trying to teach him the balance of being a point guard, but out of necessity at that point in time because of the roster construction, that they were getting him to try and understand what it takes to facilitate, to create place for others. And now we are here at this point in his career. He's an all-star, great player, et cetera. But a lot of that just sometimes it just feels empty. And there were opportunities there. I just looked through all of his field goal attempts, 13 of 30 from the field. And there's just moments there where he's like taking that one arm push shot or a floater in the lane and Gobert, bad hands and all, is waiting there open under the rim. And you just think to yourself, man, can't he just dish it off? He's capable. We've seen him make that pass, but he just, I don't know if it's just an understanding that he just doesn't want to trust Rudy in that situation because he might bobble the ball and just force a turnover, or he just feels so much more comfortable being the aggressive scorer, the go-to guy at this point in his career that just doesn't know how to do anything else. Let's take a break. We'll come back, and we'll talk about the Warriors having an absolute party, a pool party, if you will, out in the Bay. We'll do that when we come back on Locked on NBA. But first, all right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? then you need to try the award-winning app, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and we know you will too. It's easy to use. You just pick two to five players and over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on an entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. I had Monte Morris over 11.5 points tonight. Bing! I had Rudy Gobert over 15.5 rebounds. Nailed 17 Mavericks cannot stop Rudy Gobert on the boards. They can just stop him everywhere else. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. And Prize Picks doesn't just offer NBA. They've got options on college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. They've got all the props you can think of from points scored to rebounds and even steals. For a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users get $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but you have to use code NBA. That's right. An exclusive offer for locked on fans. Sign up today and use code NBA and you'll get $50 for free. If a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. We're also brought to you today by bet online. Had myself a little parlay tonight. David had the warriors and the Sixers. And the Mavericks. That's right. Hit all three. Feeling pretty nice. good about myself. Called that <laughs> one. Uh, Battle Lines, your number one source for all your betting stats, stats and sports info. And you can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the basketball playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all the sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. 
Back here on Lockdown NBA with David Ramil. I'm Matt Moore. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen each and every day. Make your second listen locked on it on now. It's got apps, it's got nightly recaps of all the NBA games from our panel of local experts. Check it out at Locked On Now on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Okay, David, uh, we will turn our attention now as I am the host of Locked On Nuggets with my co-host Adam Mares, and it will be a pretty uh, sad show for Nuggets fans tonight as the Nuggets got absolutely blistered once again by the Golden State Warriors. They got demolished. Uh, they led after the first quarter. Really good effort. Good job, guys. Yep. And then the small ball unit hit. And once again, uh, doom followed with it. It's really funny that Steve Kerr keeps starting Kevon Looney just as like, yep. a, it's like spotting the Nuggets like 10 points and then just unleashing hell with what uh, uh, Danny LaRue on Twitter has called Mjolnir, which is Thor's hammer. That's the lineup that they're going to call it now. Um Look, Jordan Poole goes for 29 in this one. 10 of 16 shooting, 5 of 10 from three. Clay Thompson hits three threes. Steph Curry hits five threes, 34 points. 34 for, for Steph, 29 for Poole, 21 for Clay Thompson. Great defense on the other end by, by Draymond Green, locking down Nikola Jokic, who was ejected. He, mm. he lost his cool at the officiating. I would probably lose my cool if uh, Draymond was completely locking me down too. Jokic goes for 26 points on nine of 20 shooting. He goes for 11 boards, four assists to, to three turnovers. Not great. No other Nuggets scored more than 12 points in this one, including Will Barton goes five of 15. Uh, and Aaron Gordon goes three of nine, another pitiful performance. David, this one's a wrap. Yep. Uh, it looks that way. I mean, obviously, a lot of frustration. Cameras cut to uh, DeMarcus Cousins and uh, Will the Thrill Barton arguing on the sideline. It seemed like it kept blowing over. I think most of the second half, and then, of course, with Nicola's ejection, it just seemed like it was <laughs> – like he just can't wait to wrap up this game in, in San Francisco and head back to Denver for the opportunity to make this a gentleman's sweep. It just – it feels tough. Like, the, the 3G, as they're calling it, I'm not sure if that nickname's going to stick or not, but with Steph Curry coming off the bench and still finding a way to light up the Nuggets for 34 points, ridiculous. Like, this is as potent a Warriors offense as we've seen, and that's something considering the fact that they had – one of the best players in NBA history and Kevin Durant on the, on that roster not too long ago. But it just I think about that second quarter where the teams were tied up at 29-29 and Jokic goes to the bench. And somehow with Cousins in the lineup, they go on a 14-2 run. It's like, huh, you're thinking to yourself, maybe they might have a chance. And then Curry comes back into the game. Draymond comes back in the game. And from that point, it's just absolute chaos. It's just a steal here. They draw a foul, a shot from Curry, a falling fadeaway layup, etc., Another basket by Poole to supplement everything that Curry does. And next thing you know, they just, they're just they on cruise control from that point forward. It just looked like Denver got punched in the face and didn't have a response at all. Yeah, and here's the thing. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to like parse this down. Hmm. Uh, I would say this. The Nuggets are outmatched and underperforming to being outmatched. They lacked hmm. composure. Um, I, thought, I think the fight in the first two games has been good. But whenever the Warriors have hit them back, they panic. They fall apart. Yep. I wouldn't say that they quit. That's not what I would say. They weren't lifeless. They're just overwhelmed. Right. They're not able to, to compose themselves and, and meet them at the point of attack. They're not right. able to keep the rotations. The atmosphere gets to them. They lose their composure at the officiating. Like just all mental breakdowns all over the place. They're not taking good shots outside of outside of Jokic. Like it, there's nothing really positive to say about Denver's performance. There's just not. There's gonna be a lot of conversation about the MVP. Um, if you want to have that sometime, make me next week. I'm up, I'm up for it. Um, 
I don't necessarily like, I'm just always of the mindset of like, it's a regular season award. It's already been voted on. You can't blame the voters for having, for not considering something that hadn't happened yet when you voted for, when yeah. you voted on something. Um, for me, it's, it's also just kind of a boring topic. I just don't have a lot of interest in like, let's relitigate the MVP because the Sixers are two and oh, like, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter to you either. That's good to hear, David. Um, so we're going to avoid that. But I, I do think that, like, look, the Nuggets gave Michael Malone an extension. And I, I've said consistently throughout the season, I've always been a Malone guy in terms of yeah. I think he's been a great coach and been underrated, honestly, league-wide and in Denver. I think he's had a bad season. I just think mm. Malone's had a bad season. I think coaches have these years where it's just like they didn't push the right buttons. They didn't find the right combinations. And the starting point's always going to be like, well, yeah, they didn't have MPJ and Jamal. And that's like a right. big, those are two big buttons that you can push at various times. But all you can really judge on is how, as how he did with the buttons available. And I don't think he, yeah. he's pushed the right ones this year. Um, Nuggets fans are going to, there's going to be a lot of calls for him to be fired after what's likely going to be eight straight playoff losses. Um, but he just got an extension. So good luck convincing the Cronkies to fire a coach and let him sit for two to three years. Um, we could t I don't mean to make it sound like the series is completely over, right? Because we see things change dramatically when things shift. I The thing I can't get to is even if the Nuggets played better and even if the Nuggets played harder and even if the Nuggets played with more fight and they found some tactical like advantage wherever, I don't see those tactical adjustments. Like, I don't. I don't have an answer for like what the Nuggets should do. There's not like an obvious like, well, they should clearly do this. There's right. not one. They don't have the personnel. Right. That, yeah, that's what it feels like it boils down to. Like they're going to go back to Denver, have the crowd behind them, have a lot more energy, et cetera. But, you know, somebody still has to hit a shot and somebody still has to stop Steph Curry from going off for 30 plus points or to stop Jordan Poole's caught fire. I, it's just they don't have the horses to pull it off. And it's a great point about Malone. I had to consider that. And, and I hate to kind of refer back to, you know, the team that I cover, but you look at what Eric Spolstra has done, you know, mostly throughout his career and, when they lose great players, they find a way to get somebody else to contribute and step up and things of that sort. And maybe that's just yeah. more about the team's internal development and everything else like that. But you have to find, to use your phrase, the right buttons to push. And, and uh, uh, I wonder if, if Malone could have done something a little differently. And maybe he kept expecting somebody to come back into the lineup and say, well, maybe then we can just do this differently. But you can only do so much with what you have available. And right now they just don't have those good players available. So... I'm not sure what they could have done to unlock Gordon or Barton or anybody else in this roster, but uh, it's just, it just ultimately comes down to not having the kind of talent to keep up with a really, really good Golden State team that was like yeah. a, a title, a title contender early in the season, and everybody kind of forgets that because of injury and the fact that Draymond was hurt for as long as they did, they kind of fell apart. They they lacked that identity, but they're back. They're great, and they're they're really dangerous and potent offensively. They look so dominant. The splashing is back. They've got pool as a third dimension. Wiggins is yeah. solid. They're they're great on so many ways defensively. Draymond's yeah. back to his prime. Gary Payton Jr. gives him such a, a fascinating Gary Payton the second, pardon me, gives him yeah. such a such a fascinating perspective in terms of a, a change up guard that can bring all that physicality. Bielitz is giving them good minutes. Like yeah. they're awesome. Like the Warriors are just incredible. And it's just going to be like, we look like we're on this collision course for warrior sons. Yep. We've been on it since the beginning of the season. There are ways it can get derailed. I will say the wolves being one, one Oh, with a chance to win that series 
greatly increases the chances of, I think, Warriors Suns, because I don't think the Wolves can beat Golden State. I think Memphis poses a real threat. They've had, they've given Golden State trouble because you mentioned like that chaos that they play in. Yeah. Memphis, that's where Memphis wants to be is in that chaotic style. Like they want to be in chaos. They don't want to be in grinded out mode. And the Wolves got better in that game because that's what they did was they really kind of grinded it down. Um, finally, uh, I, Steph seems back. I don't yeah. like, there was all these concerns all season and now Steph seems back and clay seems back and the warriors are back to being the most impressive team in basketball. And I really hope we get sons warriors because it would be fully healthy fingers crossed, knock on wood, because it would be an absolutely incredible game. But yeah, uh, I think the, I think the nuggets can go ahead and start shopping for tackle. Cause I think they're going fishing pretty soon uh lots of lakes up here in colorado surprisingly amongst the mountains so good fishing spots let's take a break we'll come back and we'll hit the last game on the slate uh where i don't know if you know this david but uh there were some free throws really wow that's surprising we'll we'll talk about Sixers raptors when we come back on locked on nba but first i want to say about rock auto uh with the ever-increasing number of makes and models it's impossible to find your for your local auto parts store to stock everything that you need. You're just not gonna get the right parts for your car, depending on the model. And so they're gonna call and they're gonna be like, wait, wait, I'll just have to call the other store and they'll bring it over. Can you come back in 15? Don't mess with that. There's no reason to mess with that because you're gonna get cheaper at Rock Auto anyway. Rock Auto is gonna save you so much money. Sometimes it's 50% less. Like a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 from a chain store. It's just 216 from Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they've got everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for making this part of your day and your first listen each and every day. David Ramil, alongside me, Matt Moore, breaking down uh, Monday night in the association playoffs. I love the playoffs, David. It's just wow. the drama and the matchups and the tension. Usually, oh, anyway. So good. Um, and then also the Raptors and Sixers play. Now, I'll tell you, I, like, look, I'm actually kind of enjoying this series just from the perspective. Oh. Um, well, okay, let me, let, me, let me put it this way. I've got my phone with me. And, and so like it gives me a lot of time to like check reddit and other things during all the stoppages um yeah. like the sixers let, let me add, i want to start here okay so sixers get the win here, here's the the high points sixers get the win 112 97 uh the sixers the raptors made a brief run in the fourth quarter before the sixers pulled away uh, yeah. no scotty Barnes tonight with the ankle injury gary trent jr tried to play played just nine minutes and 44 seconds was clearly feeling like garbage uh with a non-covid illness Fred Van Vliet got off to a really hot start, but then wound up shooting seven of 23 and just five of 16 from three. Uh, Joel Embiid on a pretty good night for him to make a statement. 31 points, 11 boards for him. Zero assists, nine of 16 
from the field. He got 23 from Maxi. Tobias Harris goes for 20 and 10. James Harden goes for just 14, 6 and 6. They didn't even really need a good Harden game. And they won this one pretty convincingly. We're up by 20 for most of this game. They got good minutes from the bench. Paul Reed off the bench gave them eight solid minutes of just not being DeAndre Jordan. Those are your high points. Let me let me start here, David. Scotty Barnes played most of game one, right? Most of game one. Gary Trent Jr. is not like a primary initiator. He's a great spot-up weapon and has become like a really good secondary scorer. There's this narrative forming that it's like, oh, it's just too bad we don't get these two teams fully healthy. Oh, you know, this could have been a really great series if it was healthy. And I'm like, what are you guys watching? Like, right. uh, Scotty Barnes is going to win Rookie of the Year. He's going to win Rookie of the Year. He's really impactful. Scotty Barnes is not the gap between these two teams. Like, the gap is that the Raptors, who were 25th in offense, half-court offense all season, don't have anyone to put pressure on Philadelphia who is then running off of misses constantly and they can't get a single call versus Joel Embiid, like not a single one, which I don't know. You have to bake that into your game plan. Like, you know that he's going to get those calls. It's not like everyone's surprised at this. He's always gotten those calls and you don't really have a center. You have no one to play against him. You're you've got precious Achua and Siakam guarding him. What did you think was going to happen? So like, my question for you is this, the Scotty Barnes and the Gary Trent Jr. illness, does that really compensate for what the gap has been in this series so far? I don't think so. Uh, I I know a lot of people kind of made it like the, the sexy pick, right? Because the yeah. Raptors play a fun style because of all the big bodies and you know the, the ability to ignite and they, they play a good style of, of team basketball. They're fun to watch. And of course, you get Nicky Nurse out there and what he can do. And you're thinking you know, he might find some way of improvising. But against the behemoth of Embiid, there's nobody that's going to be able to stop what he does. And and given that, I just – they can't get healthy enough. They, this, this is a roster that's been shorthanded all season long, not just in terms of health or anything like that, but also in terms of talent. They, they only have like one real bench player coming off and being productive. That's Chris Boucher. Other than that, they're just not getting anything. And, and, you know, this is a team that's also been routinely playing their starters – 35 to 40 minutes a game uh, all season long. And it's kind of caught up to them because now they're not getting any production from those starters. They don't have anybody else off the bench to produce. They're not really getting much of anything. I, I don't know. Uh, I just 12 free throws from Joel and beat in that first quarter that sets the tone early on. And you're right. They're not getting out of those calls. They can't do anything differently. Um, it's just, I, I think this is a series that's pretty much done. Uh, you can go to Toronto you're going to be missing Matisse Tyable. Obviously, he's not going to be eligible to play given all that. Does Toronto find a way to steal a game? I just, I, Fred Van Vliet has to have one monster performance where he can just find a way to get Embiid into foul trouble and then kind of, you know, just catch fire and maybe score 40. And maybe that'll be enough to carry this team. But right now, they just, they don't have the horses. You know, we talked about this in terms of Denver's lack of uh, personnel. And I think Toronto is in the same boat right now. They just don't have it, especially if you're getting these kind of performances from the supporting cast. If you don't even need a huge game from Harden and you can get Tobias Harris and and, and Tyrese Maxey to step up the way they have, that, that kind of does not bode well for uh, Toronto's chances. It's got to be tough because the way that NBA, this is my opinion based off of coaches that I've talked to and players that covering these series. Yeah. The idea of what these players are, like the idea of what these players are is so ingrained to the scouting report and to how players conceptualize it. And what I mean by this is 
I think there's probably some value in being like, let's dare James Harden to beat us. Let's just see what happens. We tried sending a lot of attention to James Harden and it's killing us. Maxi and Harris are destroying us. Let's put some more pressure on Tobias Harris. Let's put some more pressure on Tyrese Maxi. Let's let Harden go ISO. Let's see what happens. Let's. This guy has not shot well. This guy has not done well versus good defenses. This guy has not looked good for the last two seasons. Like he has not looked like himself for very long. Let's see what happens. Like I, I honestly think that that's worth a try, but I don't think they'll ever get to it because on some level they're going to be like, well, we can't just like not pay attention to James Harden. I'm not saying ignore him. I'm just saying like they are sending, like they will send guys over. They'll shade right if a guy's in if somebody's in ISO on Harden they'll shade over and send more help trying to slow down Harden. And that means that Maxi has a step on you and he's so fast and Harris has an open three and he's such a good shooter. Like I think they're hurting themselves by actively treating James Harden. Like he's 2019 Harden versus 2022. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be mindful of everybody else. Uh, and that's, that's partly why you make that trade for Harden though, is because he does yeah. represent that threat. You know, he's still, as good a scorer, maybe not as good a scorer as he once was, but he's still a very good scorer. And he's still a very good passer, and he can still get to the line, obviously, with seven free throw attempts tonight. So uh, he's still a danger, and you have to consider that. You have to take that into account. So, again, with with Toronto's defense somewhat shorthanded because of Barnes, et cetera, I, I think they're they're in trouble. Uh, I just I don't see a way out for them in this series because they're not going to get a certain – they're not going to get a boost. This isn't – Dallas is going to get a return from like a Luka Dodgers type player. Yeah. They don't have anybody. Scotty Barnes is a great player. It's fine, as you mentioned before, a potential rookie of the year candidate. And yet, uh, I, I just, they're not going to, he, he doesn't make up that much of a difference. Like, what can yeah. he, he, you know, he's not going to chip in 30 something points. He's not going to be right. able to slow down and beat. He's, he, maybe he can limit what Harris does, but then you have to pick your poison elsewhere. So, uh, Scotty in three years. Him. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Right. Like Scotty, like Maybe. makes a leap. Like I could see that. Like he's genuinely is that good. It's just like right now, that's not where he's at. Uh, I will tell you, I think they win. I think the Raptors win game three. Okay. Because I think. How far do I want to go with this take? This is always <laughs> a fun question. Uh, I'll, I'll put this out. The Raptors are a max effort team. Yeah. They play with a, a level of championship pride from that 2019 season. And they've instilled that in the organization. The culture is like, they play hard. Like that was under Casey and that's been under nurse and that's under Masai. Like they play hard. And one of the problems that they, these teams tend to run into in the playoffs is everyone plays hard in the playoffs, but you don't play as hard on the road. And if you're at home, you play a little bit harder and you might get a whistle. And so I think like, I just yeah. think that they'll they'll try really hard and the crowd will be behind them and they'll hit more shots. I think it I don't expect it to be a, a blowout. I think yeah. it'll probably be like a close game that the Raptors win and it's emotional. It's like, all right, they're back in this series. And it's gonna come down to game four. And like the path for the Raptors is you use effort and energy to win game three, and then you hope for a, a shooting variance night in game four, where your guys hit shots and all their guys miss open looks. And then it's two two. And now you've got a Sixers team that loves the front run and you've got them like, okay, going back to Philly, you better win this one. Cause if not going back to Toronto, three, two Toronto, like that's the path. I just don't know if they're going to win two in Toronto. I kind of expect I kind of expect the Sixers to get game four and then be able to close it out in game five at home. Um, You know, these, this is the fun thing about these being two Oh, it's like every two Oh series that there's ever been, 
anybody that would have done these podcasts would be like, I just don't think they can hang. Even the ones where like they, they wind up losing. Right. It's like, I just think they've got so many edges, but I think you're with me that when I look at this on paper, it's not like a few more things and the Raptors are there to me. There's just a firepower gap here. The, the Sixers defense doesn't have to be great because the Raptors right. don't have enough offense. Yep. And the Sixers are not going to shoot as well as they have in these two games. Like the Raptors have hit, been hit with, with, with shooting variants. Right. And a lot of these games this weekend, you can look at and go like, well, are they going to shoot that well again? And the problem is if you have that gap between the two teams, even if the Sixers don't shoot as well and those misses fuel some offense, I'd still don't know if you're going to close the gap between where the two teams are. They play again on Wednesday, right? So that's not a lot of time. Gary Trent Jr., I guess he'll be expected to be back at somewhat full strength by that point. I mean, I guess that's you're talking about the shooting variance. That's a that's a player who can certainly step up and become a potent complimentary scorer alongside Van Vliet, but they still need to get a little bit more from Fred. He just hasn't been able to put up those kind of numbers that he has throughout the regular season. And uh, you're getting 26 points from OG and Unabi, but that, that's not, that's not going to be enough, especially when you have Embiid going to the line 180 times per game. Not a fan of that approach, by the way. <laughs> uh, it is setting up a, a fascinating, I think, second round series between the Miami Heat and oh. Philadelphia 76ers, which I'm very excited for you to have to cover in depth on Locked On yeah. Heat. Should Me be a, a good time. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, make sure to keep it here for coverage all throughout the week. We'll have breakdowns of tomorrow night's games all throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Check out the show out on YouTube as well. Give us those five-star reviews. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On NBA.